It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of Take Talk. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, and today I'm with my usual co-host, Stephen O'Rourke. What's up, Steve? What's going on, Brett? Not much. Just excited to wrap up the, the position series here. And we brought in a ringer for this discussion, Mr. Christopher Wecht, who's often in, in Chair 3 or even Chair 2 at times. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, excited to talk some QBs. It's the, this, the, this is the fun position to talk about. Yes, it is. It is, and that's why I thought it'd be nice to bring in another another head here to to share their infinite wisdom with us, and uh, we can kind of maybe get into some debate. Hopefully, if not, then the listeners will be pleased that we all agree unanimously, and everything's going well in the world. <laughs> um, everybody loves when everybody agrees on everything. Exactly, exactly. But before we dive into that, wanted to. Um, hit some line items here some take care of some business one at fantasy points there's a lot of cool things going on we've kind of had a restructure of leadership i would say starting near the end of the football season and one of the things that's emerged out of that is our own scott barrett has um kind of taken over the ceo role and uh that's official on his twitter he hasn't really, we didn't do a press release. It's kind of just been under the radar. And I want to publicly give Scott some props. Um, if you've seen a lot of the changes happening at Fantasy Points, they're mostly Scott's ideas. Um, he has been, I would say, intricate in the, the restructure and the reshuffle. And he's positioned us very well moving forward. And I, I like the best is yet to come for Fantasy Points. And Scott is a big reason why. So hats off to Scott. Scott, thanks for getting on the, the path and grinding it out and, and earning the title CEO. And I know I don't know if we'll acknowledge it publicly as a company, but I wanted to acknowledge it. So congratulations, Scott. Um, secondly, there's some news in the NFL. There's some gambling stuff going on. More gambling suspensions have come down, and I figured it's time we probably talk about this a little bit. <laughs> Isaiah Rogers, uh, among some others, got hit with the, the year suspension. It's different. So there, there's a lot of different types of suspensions coming down with the gambling stuff. What I think what Isaiah Rogers did was by far the worst of any of them so far. He's literally betting like under, under over props for his team while playing on the team. It's like Calvin Ridley wasn't with the team when he bet on the Falcons. Jamison Williams wasn't even betting on NFL football. This is by far the worst, I think. I can't even believe he didn't get like just an indefinite suspension. So how would you guys feel? I saw a tweet about this uh, this morning, actually. How would you feel about a player being only allowed to bet on their own props for a game? So I like mean, they're betting. You know, like, we always say bet on yourself. Yeah. I think that's it, great. I think that juices it up a little bit. That's fun. That'd be sweet, but I feel like it still could get dicey. You even bet <laughs> the under? It still could get dicey. Like, <laughs> I'm cash. I'm cashing this under bet today. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like if you're in a position where you have decision making power, like quarterback, for example. Say quarterback has an over under line of 35 rushing yards. He has control of how many rushing yards he's getting in that game. Yeah. He's scrambling. You know, he could smash the over, or he could simply just bet the under and then never scramble. 
or never run. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you can't do that, but it would be hilarious if you could. Yeah. They can only yeah. bet overs. Maybe that's the only way this works. Only overs. Yeah, yeah the, the Isaiah Rogers thing, it's like, it's the thing where, um, I don't know, it's the one thing that you can do the most wrong, like, blatantly wrong like outside of like legally murdering someone things like that all that but like it's just the one thing you can't do it's like it'd be like being a dog walker and you're just purposefully losing the dogs every time you go like it's so odd like i I just i could not wrap my head around like the thought process behind it yeah what he was thinking (laughs) yeah like it's everybody has known i mean the longest yard there was a whole movie about it like about how he got exiled from from like ever from football in general for shaving points and betting and i mean now that was shaving points and all that but like still same kind of concept like yeah i feel like i feel like i've known that since i was eight (laughs) <laughs> that you can't if you play in the NFL, you can't bet on the NFL. And especially you can't bet on your own team. Yeah. If you if you really want to bet on your own you think you whatever, you really want to bet on something of your own team, just go tell your buddy and and let him do whatever he wants with said information. Say you had yeah. nothing to do with it. Don't so, use your account to bet on something. Right, but the, one of the guys that got suspended, one of the lower I think it was Stanley Berryhill. I think I could be wrong, so I'm not saying this is fact, but one of the guys that got suspended, it wasn't his account that the bet was made. It was his wife's account. Well, that's, that's, that's just as bad. Same thing. Well, Chris, you just said use your buddy's account. Like They're going to track that. They're tracking – yeah, they're going to track that. If yeah, some random some... dude with a, like a 50K a year job is making a, a max bet on DraftKings, they're going to know where that money came from. Yes, you know you're what not I mean? wrong. Yeah. yeah, but at least I mean, at least a friend. There's going to be a couple levels of that investigation that go into it. It's not just like, all right, let's look at his wife. Well, there it is. They're pinging IP addresses to figure this out, though. You yeah, know, they're, they're, they're they are pretty quick with that stuff. Like NFL yeah. and just gambling in general. Like I know I, I actually had two buddies that got flagged by FanDuel because. At the on the same IP IP address at the same time, they had like a free bet promotion going on, and they bet the opposite sides. They basically like made it so that it was a guarantee win between the two of them, and they were gonna like split no matter what because it was gonna be a net profit for both of them. And it sounds like. Vandal tracked it and found out, (laughs) and they didn't give them the winnings. So like. They're pretty on top of this stuff. People have no idea the level of security that these, you know, sports books and casinos have to protect themselves. I know when I was at a, a previous company, the owner of that company and I met with a couple of these security people because we were going to sell them data, um, so they could track like trend lines and stuff based on what the data suggests. And it was pretty pretty interesting. The, their security is very pumped up though not just from a tech standpoint but people like they have people literally watching this stuff physically and then they're automating a lot of it but it's pretty crazy so jonathan jones came out and said uh if the you know if if players want to bet on themselves and bet on their teams they should be allowed to bet on their teams to win yeah but the second uh, they don't bet then it's like why didn't you bet it 
<laughs> so now we're in the territory you have to force people to bet. Yeah. Don't you exactly. believe in your team? Are you throwing the game here? It doesn't work anyway. There's yeah. no, there's no good just just nobody bet on the NFL if you're in the NFL. Let's just let's just do that. Right. So yeah, with that, that said, guys like Jamison Williams and some of the other ones that got six games, it seems like they have a legitimate argument to not be suspended, at least not for six games. Yeah. Especially when the NFL PA is basically said that the NFL's culpable for a lot of this because the communication and um, explanation and, and education has been poor on their part. Do you think Jamison should get a reduced suspension? Didn't we – has he gone through the appeal process yet? Well, he's he personally has said he won't appeal, but if the NFLPA wants yeah. to appeal on his behalf, then, then that's fine. And Dan Campbell's kind of alluded to the same thing. Like, no, we're – we're taking accountability for this, but if if something changes, then that's great. I mean, um, I think I think the NFL should at least reconsider because, like, cl- I mean, clearly there was some lack of communication throughout it because, like, with Jamison Williams, it sounded like he was on, like, he was not fully clear that it was it was at that it was at the team hotel that he was that he got like slammed on and just like other some of the other guys like Nick, uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer like these guys were all were pretty consistently like I don't really like I went to the thing like I went to the you know yeah. assembly hall whatever and I still didn't fully understand so I don't know it goes it's hard to say I think the NFL should maybe consider reducing some of these guys that didn't bet on NFL games just for the sake of like you know what this one's a little bit on us we're going to revamp, redo next year, like no excuses from anyone. And then, you know, here we go kind of thing. That athletic article that dropped was pretty damning. Yeah. Like, there are multiple, like over 50 players said that after the Jamison Williams suspension was announced, then they got paperwork and material about it. It was like, oh, shoot, we realized we didn't properly educate people. We better do this quickly, you know, before anyone notices. And, that, that article was pretty damning, I thought. And if, if the NFLPA really wants to support their players, I think they should take a strong look at that. Yeah, just just make it black and white for guys. Yeah. Like, either tell them, don't do this in the facility, out of the facility, in a team hotel, not in a team. Like, just say, you can't bet on these sports. If that includes college football, then fine. But but And whether that's right or wrong is a separate thing. But But make it black and white so that there's no confusion moving forward. I like that. All right, let's jump in. Quarterbacks, we're rounding out the position ranking series. And for today, for today's segment, we're not really – we don't care about backup quarterbacks or developmental prospects or anything like that or depth. We just, we're just ranking the best quarterbacks in the NFL, 1 through 10. Maybe drop some honorable mentions in there depending on how these lists shake out. But, um, yeah, who wants to kick it off? Well, I'll just kick it off. We all have Patrick Mahomes number one, I'm sure, right? Yeah, we all look at the same data. We all watch the same film. All right, Patrick Mahomes number one. I don't know if anyone wants to say anything about Patrick, but I mean, he's obviously the best quarterback in the NFL. It's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah I mean, not much to say. Last year was awesome, where you know he still has Kelsey, obviously, but everybody was worried with Tyree Kill leaving what was going to happen, and he effectively did the best thing possible and won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. He's he's the best until he's he's the best until he probably leaves the NFL or he drops off a cliff. So, agreed. 
Um, all right, somebody throw out their number two. I would Joe. I would Joe Burrow. Personally, okay. I was gonna say I had Burrow as well. I did too. All right. Yeah. Right here, guys. I had a feel. I had a feeling we'd all go Burrow. He's. It's another one where you just see it when you throw on the film. He's. Uh, not last year, but the year before, 2021. It was a lot of big plays, um, big plays, and like a lot of variance there. But then last year was a lot more. They matriculated a lot more. They it was a lot more efficient. It was a lot more, um, you know, like moving the field, moving the ball down the field efficiently. Not getting as many big plays, but the offense, the the passing offense, and the offense in general still functioning and being pretty much as good as it was the year before. He got a little bit of an uptick later in the year and uh protection early in the year he the offensive line was struggling he was facing a decent amount of pressure but joe burrow just overall i think that he continues to ascend and you know it definitely helps that he has the receiving core that he has but he is able to get the most out of those guys with he's just so accurate with the ball yeah Yeah, he led led the nfl in catchable throw rate at 79 percent uh like whether he has T Higgins or Jamar chase, I mean, it certainly helps that they probably are getting open and giving him bigger windows to throw balls into. But even if, even if they were not on the team, like Burroughs putting the ball in places where any receiver can make a play for it. Um, and then having a chase and a Higgins and even a Tyler boy just takes it to the next level. He, he clearly is getting, he looked so much like Tom Brady last year at times yes. with the way he would read through a defense and immediately know if a play was alive or dead. And if it was dead, he's checking it down and getting what he can and moving on to the next play. He's so good pre and post snap. I think what's impressive about his accuracy, though, is like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both phenomenal receivers, but they're not separators. Like they are ball winner, big play type guys. Um, Chase's game is developing, of course, and he's he's getting better at that. But it's still it's been a work in progress for him. He's he's mostly I mean, he's been a, a very good contested catch receiver or, or possession type receiver. So. That makes it even more impressive because I don't think Burrow has a lot of wide open windows to throw the ball into, and he's he's putting the ball right on the money, the most consistently. So he, he's freaking phenomenal. Yeah, and he was he was fifth in what our fantasy points data will be hero throw percentage, which is but which is you know otherwise known as like big time throw percentage. He was fifth at five point four percent, and then he was second best in turnover worthy throw rate. He had a one point seven percent turnover worthy throw. So. He can make big plays, and he doesn't turn the ball over. And those are two things that are going to take you a long way as a quarterback. Yep. All right. Number three. Chris? I went Josh Allen here. Oh. Um, I think it's close between three, and who I'm guessing a lot of us have it for. But I think Allen does a little bit more of the hero stuff than – pretty everybody else remaining on the list i mean alan we've seen alan just just take over games we've seen him do it with basically no one at receiver other than stefan diggs i i mean gabe davis has not lived up to the hype dawson knox is just a guy cole beasley isaiah mckenzie these 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 jameson crowder these slot type receivers they've had over the years are nothing special josh allen pretty much changed the bills future the same way joe burrow did the the bengals and I think I think you've got to put him at three here, Steve. That's it. I toiled over this one. I ended up going with Justin Herbert. 
Oh, and wow. It was really close for me between Josh Allen and Justin Herbert personally. I think that a new offense is going to do massive dividends for Herbert. I th- he, he was first in turnover-worthy throw percentage. It was 1.3%. Um, you know, obviously his A dot last year was not outstanding, but I think with a new offensive coordinator, what he does on third down in the way that he can absolutely rip a ball into any location at any time sometimes is just other it's otherworldly so at points he's got a cannon for an arm and i think that like i said i think that having going into a new offense this year and getting his offensive line back i think he's gonna take a step up and i think he's gonna affirm himself in that place interesting so i have herbert pretty far down the list he is in the top 10 but um, for me, Herbert, it, it's just the hype has not matched the results on the field. Some of that has to do with his coordinator, but um, just the consistency for big plays is not there. He's had like maybe two moments, I think, where he's pulled a, a rabbit out of his hat and made something with nothing and, and got his team a win where the other guys I have higher than him on this list, they do it almost once a game at least, it seems like. So, um yeah, I just don't – I think Herbert has the, all the potential in the world to eventually be in the top five here, but he's just not for me right now. I think the consistency needs to get better. And hopefully Kellen Moore brings a new world to him that will help him. But um, as far as Josh Allen goes, I have Josh Allen as my fourth guy on the list. The guy I had at thir- three was Jalen Hurts. Um, three things about Hurts that I, I like better than Josh Allen. One, he's a way more accurate thrower of the football. Throw in, throw out, way more consistent. Um, he's not going to have big-time misses um, in, in crucial situations like Josh has over the years. A lot of the times where Josh Allen needs to play hero ball, Chris, it's because he put his team in a situation to have to have hero ball be played. Um, and Jalen Hurts hasn't done that yet. Jalen Hurts takes care of the football. He's super accurate, and he's got the leadership trait. And I'm not saying Josh Allen doesn't, but Hurts is absolutely a leader of men. Every single player on the Eagles loves him and would basically die for him. And uh, it's something I've been impressed with since Hertz was at Alabama. Um, and maybe I'm a little biased because I've actually got to spend one-on-one time with, with Hertz. Um, and it's he just impressed the hell out of me. And I, I think leadership is probably low-key the most important trait a quarterback can have. And uh, like Burrow being number two and Mahomes being one, those are also great leaders, guys with that, that moxie that, uh, you know, that trait that just he he hits the troops rallied and fired up and i think that's almost as important as is actually playing the position quarterback so um i think hertz is is phenomenal and then obviously what he does with his legs you know he can move the chains almost at will i think if if the eagles don't kind of fall apart in the super bowl i think we talk about hertz a little differently oh yeah he was easily the mvp of that game yeah if if they win uh yes yeah, I think it is close. I think you make a lot of good arguments. The only thing I would push back on is that we've really only seen this one year from Hertz. Yeah. And can that repeat over multiple years? Because it was he was not very good at getting through reads two years ago. Like it was really bad um at times. And Allen definitely, you're right, he definitely does put his team in situations like that. But I would be curious if Allen had the setup that Hertz had, would we, you know, would that help him not feel like he has to put the ball in harm's way as much as he does? Yeah, that's fair. 
that's definitely fair. Um, yeah. so I, my- jo- I, I Josh Allen at four, by the way, and then I Jalen Hurts at five. Yeah, and I had Hurts at four and Herbert at five. Which, Brett, it sounds like you're different on Herbert. So who is your five then? My five is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still playing some of the best football in the NFL. He was back-to-back MVP in uh, 20 and 21. He played relatively well considering a, a greatly diminished supporting cast last year. He had massive injuries along the offensive line. His best receiver you know, was traded away. Um, I know he's a headache, and, and I, th- I think a lot of times we filter our opinion of Rodgers based on that. But I will say that shrooms are legal in New York, and so <laughs> I think maybe we're, we're smooth sailing from here on out, you know? Um, it's yeah, awesome for him. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's still playing at a high level. When you turn on the tape, I mean, he might, other than Mahomes, like he probably makes consistently the most ridiculous throws in the NFL. His ability to put the ball right on the money and maximize, you know, the results of a play, phenomenal. Um, and then he goes to New York where, you know, I, I know we're not grading the situation as part of this analysis, but it's like I think we saw a little bit of a dip in Rodgers last year, and I just think he's going to bounce right back because I think his situation is a little bit better in New York. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him. I, I know he's old, 39. He hasn't been healthy the last couple – or he wasn't healthy last year. And that, that was actually the main reason for the dip. He had the broken the broken thumb and the, the ankle, right? Hurt ankle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, – you know, and a lot of people said the broken thumb healed after the bye week. That's just something that takes a long time. You know, I've, I've broken my thumb actually before. It's not like it, it definitely feels better, but it still hurts. Gripping a football sucks with a broken thumb. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just still think he's phenomenal. And until until he really falls off a cliff, he's probably going to be pretty high for me. Yeah, I had him at six, so definitely close with that. I think you definitely make some good arguments to bump him up over Herbert. Um, yeah. he does yeah last year just did not look I mean you're right if the Packers you know make the playoffs and and you know maybe put up a fight against the Niners the Seahawks did um, like I, I could see that really changing the perception of Rodgers heading into this year plus the personality stuff um, he was not great against pressure last year though which is a little concerning um, just because he's getting older, like we we saw what Tom Brady happened to him when like he just he just seemed to curl up into a ball every single play that where pressure started to get to him. So does that is that something we're starting to see with Rodgers? I don't think so, but it is out there. Uh, he only had a fifty eight point seven passer rating when pressured, which is not great. And that was even – it just seemed at times, you know, like obviously he lost Devontae Adams. He had a very young receiving core and just you could you could feel through the television watching him play, you could feel the frustration boiling inside of him. And at times – I don't want to say this because I obviously have no idea, but like it just felt like he – you know, it would be a I don't give a shit right now, like whatever <laughs> – it like it just felt that way at times, and so I'm like I'm hoping that you know he gets to New York and there's this renewed sense of everything, and he's got new receivers that he actually enjoys working with, and all, and just a better situation in general for him because 
I, I don't know, last year, like he just didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, he just, it just didn't look great as often as it did when, you know, even in 2021 or yeah, 2021, like at times he just, I like, he would uh, just put the ball into harm's way a lot more than he ever really did. And which, I mean, he's still his, you know, I'd say that his turnover worthy throw rate was still super low. It was still super low, but it still felt like he had opportunities to get more out of plays than he could have. You're saying that because you watched him play the Lions twice and the Lions just absolutely bullied him both in both games. <laughs> yeah, and those were two games he honestly should have won. Well, yeah, for and sure. That, and that, that changes the – I mean, like, yes, those are two games that stick out in my mind, but, like, those are two games that he had won if he doesn't just throw up FU ball. Like, not even FU balls because usually his FU balls are these bombs that get completed. They were more like, screw this, I'm out of here, balls. And so – like that's the difference between them not making the playoffs and them making the playoffs last year. So it's it's just a situation like that where you could see so you could feel the frustration from him a little bit, and so I think that'll change this year. Yeah, I would like to note he's still ranked second in the NFL in hero throw percentage at six point five percent. So I mean he's still making redonkulous throws on a on a pretty regular basis, and that was with a you know poor receiving core. So. I do think he uh, gets a bad rap for, you know, getting annoyed with his receivers. I don't think he's anything like what Brady we've seen Brady be like with his receivers or even Mahomes Peyton. at times. Peyton. Uh, Peyton, yeah. Like, yeah Peyton. like I remember I, it might have been one of those Lions games where they tried to get Christian Watson an end zone target basically three plays in a row and Watson kept not knowing where he was supposed to be. But Rodgers just said, we're, all right, we're doing it again. Like – like Brady would be like, get your go go yeah. sit down, so sit down, give me the other guy in here. Like I think Rogers does like, like he he puts on this like facade that he doesn't like playing with the young guy. He didn't like, but I think he did like Christian Watson and Dubs and those guys he had the room in the room and like wanted to work with them. It just it just kind of looks like he doesn't at times. So I wouldn't you know when he goes to New York and has young guys like Garrett Wilson and. Um, who else is there? Well, he brought Lazard with him, so he'll be fine with so that. Corey Davis. Yeah, Corey Davis, Michael Hardman. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I Hardman wouldn't be worried. Hardman be a good litmus test because we've seen Hardman almost yeah. make Holmes quit before. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Garrett Wilson's a very precise route runner, so I, I think that actually might be a really nice pair. I do think you're right, though. Rodgers plays this shtick like it frustrates him, but he kind of loves it. I think he loves yeah. being the guy that gets credit for developing <laughs> receivers. You know what I mean? Like going all the way back to like Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. None of those guys were first round picks. Devontae Adams, like, and he turned them all into like all pro caliber receivers. So, I mean, that is, I think you're definitely onto something there. I think he he likes to play it up like it, it sucks, but in in reality, he loves it. Yeah, he enjoys the chaos, yes. which is why I think New York will be good for him because it's uh, it's the chaos of New York in general combined with the chaos of the NFL, and it might be just the perfect spot for him. And the chaos of routinely being the second best team in New York. Except really, except neither of them play in New York. The, the Giants. Yeah. Well, the Giants have won two Super Bowls in like recent memory. One of the Jets won. Well, yeah. Uh, that's... <laughs> before I was born, I think. Yeah. All right, number six. Let's go. That was my six. Was Rogers? Oh, your six was Rogers, Steve. I went, I went with Trevor Lawrence at six. I had Rodgers at seven. I went with Trevor Lawrence at six. 
if I were to predict over-unders on who Steve would be higher on than me, I already knew it was going to be Herbert and Lawrence. So this makes complete <laughs> like it's part of part of it is projection for this year for me. Like it's it's ranking what they've done and then combined with ranking what I think they'll do going into this year. And I think Trevor, like again, Trevor Lawrence, especially toward the end of the year, started like started to show a lot more command of the offense, a lot more um, just understanding the NFL and understanding what he needs to do and where, where to take his chances and where not to. I think that he's got the mobility to, you know, be a, he's obviously not going to scramble like Josh Allen or anything, but he's got the mobility to make that an effective piece of his game. I just think that with, he elevated a, what was not a super great receiving core last year. And I just think that going into this year, he has a chance to be, uh, I think he has a chance to make a, a bigger leap into into his third year with a, a second year and a stable team on a stable team with a stable coach, and I just think that you know I well, I think he's going to be I think he's going to take another step this year and I think he's going to be in that top six seven. And that's why I have him there. Yeah, I have Lawrence at nine. In a lot of it, just he's got basically eight games where he's played well in his career and I, I do project that he'll be better and maybe next time this time next year we'll be talking about him as a top five guy but he hasn't done it consistently or long enough for me to uh to sign off on that and he was so bad before those eight games <laughs> it's just really hard to to look past that and I, I do think he's probably through it and I think he had to shake off the the Urban Meyer <laughs> the stink of it all. all over his body but, uh, you know, I, I just think I need to see more from him. Like, if we were doing this list last year, like, I, I would have felt the exact same way about Jalen Hurts. Right. Like, I think Jalen Hurts has proved he's going to be good in the NFL. How good, we didn't really know. I probably would have had Hurts. I think I did have Hurts in my top 10, Steve, when we did the show. And then, yeah, I did. and then he takes a massive step forward. So I think Lawrence is definitely in that same you know, wheelhouse where it was pretty rough for Hertz at moments, but the, the top end plays were like awesome. And I just kind of felt like he was going to come through. I do think Lawrence has that, uh, that leadership gene as well. So I, the, I, the difference uh, in Lawrence and Hertz is Lawrence orchestrated one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history this past year. Whereas Hertz, the, like, I don't know how you don't have Lawrence higher if that, if you have the same view as Hertz, cause Hertz's playoff game two years ago was, it's pretty abysmal. damning. It was it was yeah. really bad. Um, just like the total 180 from what we just saw from Lawrence doing the playoffs to the Chargers. I'm not going to, for one, the Chargers meltdown was as much to do with the Chargers as it was with <laughs> Lawrence. That is true. I'm not going to bump a guy, you know, multiple spots over one game. So, like I'm already talking about a small sample size with Lawrence being good. I'm definitely not going to use one game to, to, to go up. I thought the totality of Hertz's uh, season though was was better than Lawrence's last year, so that's fair. I still have. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he's bad or he's, you know, I think the the future's super bright for him and Jacksonville's got to be super happy with what they got. Yeah, I just he was it was a 2.1 percent turnover worthy throw rate. I mean, he knows how to take care of the ball. He's a, he was a 78.1 percent catchable ball rate, which was you know 11th in the NFL last year. I think that you just started to see, like you said, in those last eight games, you really started to see it click for him. It felt like, and I think that that's more of what's 
what you're going to see going forward rather than, you know, what we saw prior. I think it was just finally getting familiar with the system, finally getting familiar and stable in the organization and the offense. And I think that I'm, yeah, again, it is a small sample size and I obviously completely understand where you're coming from. I knew that, you know, with the Herbert and the Lawrence, we're probably going to be a little bit more being or a little bit more hot takey than, than others. But I just think that, like I said, like projecting into this year, I think that I have him there now. And I think that he's only going to climb from there. And again, it's not like a lot of these rankings like this, the, the quarterback landscape in the NFL right now feels like it's the best it's been in a long time. It is, but there's like a pretty steep right. drop off. Yeah, I feel like it's the worst it's been in a long time. Really? I, I mean, making this list, I can't get to 10 that I feel good about. That's less than half the league. I know, but I, I feel think, like that's I better. Than, I feel like that's better than before. There yeah, were times yeah. where you, there were times where it was like I felt like it was like five, four. Well, you yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm more comparing it to like when it was Peyton and Drew Brees and Philip Rivers in their prime. Like it felt at that period felt stronger to me than this current. Well, period. yeah, that was the, that was the QB pinnacle of of ever. Right. Yeah, like, historically the best. It, it'd be hard to see the NFL like all those guys are Hall of Famers like Brady Manning. Breeze, Rogers, Rivers, all those guys are Hall of Famers. Eli was in there too for a little bit. Yeah, like McNabb. We might not ever see another era of NFL football where you have that many amazing quarterbacks at one time. By the way, real quick, how many interceptions did Trevor Lawrence throw in that the first half of that Chargers game? Yeah, but what? Like, I I have to go back and clip on the tape. Didn't he have like two of them were off tips, weren't they? Yeah, two of them were tips. I think three of them. Three of them were his fault. One of them was tipped, but it was still a bad read. All right, then it was like four, wasn't it? It was four. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a great comeback and all, but similar to my discussion with Josh Allen, the comeback was needed because of the hole Lawrence put them in. So, Which it was nice. It was a perfect encapsulation of his season. The first half, he uh, he dicked around <laughs> and he couldn't figure anything out. And then the second half, he put it all together and he got him the win. <laughs> True. Um, all right, my sixth. So... Just like what Chris said, I had a hard time with this list. When I got past Rodgers, I just really didn't know what to do. And I've put a player at six that I've scrutinized a lot on this podcast, and that's Lamar Jackson. That's who I had at seven. I don't necessarily feel great about it, but I think Lamar is probably finally in a situation where we're going to see him. We're going to really see what he's made of this year. Todd Monken call him plays. He actually has a legit receiving core. Um, whether you like OBJ or not, it doesn't matter. He's going to be their wide receiver three, you know, like Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler, good offensive line, good run game, like good play calling, or we should say probably better play calling. This is finally the chance for Lamar. And I know we're not really projecting but I just think Lamar has a good enough track record to suggest that he's probably right on the right on the outside of that top five. Um, yeah, he's a uh, he's been banged up the past two years. The Greg Roman offense can't be like it can't be overstated enough that that is so such an antiquated offense for the current era of the NFL. It just it is not going to be some a way that a team wins a Super Bowl. And Lamar took them pretty, you know, you know. Decent. What did they win? One playoff game one year, and they lost 
So they haven't made a deep playoff run, but he's led them to double-digit wins running this offense multiple times. He won an MVP. Yeah, won an MVP. Yeah. Like you, Travis Kelsey is is Travis Kelsey and probably the greatest tight end of all time. Maybe you could argue Gronk, but it's one of those two. Mark Andrews is not is very good, but he is not either of those guys. And that has been Lamar's best receiving option for his entire career. And yep. him having whether Bateman ever takes, you know, can get to what, you know, his draft capital says he is, who knows what say Flowers is. OBJ is definitely not going to be anything special, but he's your wide receiver three. This is still, like Brett said, this is the best environment he's had his entire career so far. He actually has an NFL receiving core. Whether, yeah, whatever, regardless of your p- p- opinion on any of those guys, you can't dispute the fact that they're better than Devin Duvernay. And who's the dude they drafted in like the third round that played like every snap for them and never got targeted and then went and played, I think, for Pittsburgh last year, maybe? Why can't you think of his name? Uh, um, there's James Proche, but that's not who you're talking no, about. No, not Proche. He wasn't there last year. Like he played somewhere else last year. Oh, oh my gosh. Um... He was Lamar, like he was a starter for the Ravens for multiple years, and I don't think he ever had more than fifty targets in a season. Sammy Watkins was running around a lot of routes for him last year. That's another one, yeah. Dude, oh my goodness! I mean, shoot, they had Deshaun back from the dead last year. Deshaun Jackson. They had. uh, I mean, that's been that's been the Ravens' mo is finding the ghosts of players past and putting them in and being like, "Here you go, Lamar. Look how good this is. We got you. We got you, Steve Smith and Lamar Jackson, and these guys are great." No. It's like they they want guys that are very versatile. Like they, oh, they're awesome on special teams. Or Patrick Ricard, he put you know he could play D line and tight end and fullback for us. And we'll just, use them on jet motion on yeah, every play. Just get just get Lamar some actual guys that play receiver and nothing else. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him without the gimmicky crap this year. Like, that's going to be really nice. Are you talking about uh, not Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin? Miles Boykin, that's it. Yeah. Oh. He started for them for like three years. Yeah. He was, yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? What are we doing here? Yeah, he was out there running around. <laughs> yeah, just literally just out there running around. I mean, he was a good run blocker. To your point, Chris, they want versatile guys. Only reason he was on the field is because he's a good run blocker as a receiver. Yeah. He did have Marquise Brown, who definitely yep. showed some ceiling at time at times, yeah. but like Just I don't think we're yeah. there. Yeah. But. And I don't think anybody is think thinks Marquise Brown is like an alpha wide receiver one at, no. at this I think we know that. Yeah. Um Steve. Who was oh no, let's see here. So we just did my six. My seven yeah. was Herbert. Chris's seven was Jackson. So Steve, that leaves you. Who is your seven? Oh, my seven was Lamar Jackson. Also, oh, right. oh, we were we were all pretty tight on him. I thought we'd be we'd be different. Yeah, it, yeah. With Lamar, it was like you said. It's this is the litmus test for him, and it's um, but like it just felt like the right spot for him. He's right on teetering of getting into that upper echelon, but you just I think it's going to be big to be able to see more of his passing prowess this year and less of the reliance on a you know, the Colin Kaepernick offense. I mean, that's what that that was what really got Greg Roman going. And he's just never really changed since. And so it'll it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be nice to see Lamar get to air it out a little bit more and he hopefully he can show off the arm talent that, you know, we've seen glimpses of throughout the years. Right on. All right, I'll throw out my number eight. And this is another guy. This is where it is. 
This is where it gets really hairy, by the way. I'm actually tempted just to move Lawrence to eight because I feel I actually feel better about this in hindsight. That's all, I have Lawrence at eight. I think Lawrence is the last guy that you can feel pretty decent about. Yeah, I'm moving I'm moving Lawrence to eight here. I had Rogers at eight, so that was yeah. yeah. This is where the cliff falls off for me. This is where it gets real fun. All right, so Chris had you had who had eight? Sorry, Lawrence. Lawrence. Okay, so we both had Lawrence at eight. Steve, why don't you throw out your eights then? My eight was Aaron Rodgers, so we're on nine oh, yeah. now. All right, so we're at nine. Thank you for catching up, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my nine. Then this is another guy like Jackson that I've criticized pretty heavily on this podcast, and I like probably worse. But when you look at the landscape of the NFL, I was like. Well, shoot, this guy's actually probably top 10, and I've been bagging on him for the last year. That's Dak Prescott. That's who I had. That's who I had, too. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah. Uh. Oh, man. I I even went back and watched some film just to make sure I wasn't crazy. And the arm came back a little bit at the end of last year. Like, it was dead. There was, like, a literal dead point in the season where he could not throw the ball more than 20 yards, and then it came back. So I think it was just getting over that that elbow injury and it finally healing up and developing some residual strength there. But man, I like Dak a lot of it. He throws a really accurate ball. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Um, I just worry at this stage of his career he doesn't have the big play potential that hero throw. Like he's not going to fit the ball in a super tight windows. He needs some scheme. Needs some good separation. Um, but it's really tough. There's not a lot of guys better than him. <laughs> I think only eight to be to be exact, but I I just couldn't I couldn't find other people to put in front of him. So Dak, it is and uh, leadership trait maybe for him kicks in a little bit too. Is why I put him here. Like I think yeah, he's. I, uh, I unfortunately think we're not really going to see if Dak gets any close to back to his former self that we've seen at times because it sounds like McCarthy is going to call plays and want to run the ball and all this other stuff and well. To push back on that a little bit, McCarthy's always said that every year of his career, and he still has a he's always had an insanely high pass rate. Like yeah, Rogers had the league in dropbacks a couple years. That could be Rogers though, too. Just what, saying, no, I'm, you yeah. know, like uh, yeah. I'm an audible to what I want to do. Yeah, we that don't know. Yeah. That, especially they have Schottenheimer too as offensive coordinator. That, yeah, that is the scary part. The ball. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I will say from what was it? It's weeks 11 to 18 last year. Dak Prescott was he had the highest catchable ball rate at eighty point nine percent, and he did that with an eight out of eight point seven, which is pretty high. His turnover worthy throw rate throw rate was three point seven percent, which is you know middle of the road. His his hero percent throw rate was five point two. That compared like his total season, he was in the he was in the four percent range for both hero and turnover worthy throw. So he kind of turned over a leaf at the end of the season, like you said, Brett. Where his arms started to come alive a little bit and he just looked, he just looked better and looked more like what his, what he was supposed to be. And what I think a lot of people saw in him in years prior. He started to trust that arm again, I think was the big thing. Yeah. I I can put some zip on this ball. (laughs) Yeah. And and he's got a good chance to kind of go like do even better this year. They brought in Brandon cooks who, you know, has, been consistent throughout his career. CD Lamb is another year into it. You know, it's not going to be Noah Brown getting as many targets and routes as 
as before and you know they'll probably hopefully use tony pollard more in the offense and it just i think he has he has the opportunity with what's a with the talent around him take away the the uh, what mccarthy might bring but the talent around him i think is better this year i think gallup being a full year plus removed from acl is a big wild card for them like 90 percent of what he was pre-injury I think that's a that's a really good sign because now he's the receiver, wide receiver three too. Like that's a really good sign for them. Yeah. Just come out the the play calling, like Chris said. Like is, is he going to get boned by by a run heavy scheme? They don't have the personnel to really run heavy right now. Like they got to go sign a running back. Yeah, so Pollard's not going to last for three hundred plus carries. It's there's just a lot that. of uh, there's a lot of Malik Davis hype out there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. How I feel it. Yeah, Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, Dak is the he's the first QB where it teeters on win because of or win you can win with for me. Yeah. Uh, I think the the first cool. eight that we talked about are all you can definitely. I think there's a maybe Lawrence we don't quite know yet, but I but I think the playoff game, even though he put him in that situation, he also showed that you can win because of him pulling you back out of it. Dak is we've seen him be a win because of guy in the past recent years it feels like he that is not what he is and he's more of a win with guy i'm leaning that it's going to be the win with with guy moving forward but i think he's got some chance more than other guys remaining in the nfl yeah at being a win because yeah. of um i think those are all great points i think chris what you just said is exactly the the nail like that's the that's the bullseye's that is the breaking point. I felt like nine and ten. I could have put probably eight to ten guys in those spots, and then once you like, once you open it up after those eight to ten guys are gone, then the, that's just dead after that. Like you're talking rookies and 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 back like career backup type guys. So like, it, it's really tough. But um, I'm glad we all had Dak at nine. That's kind of funny. Who did you guys have at ten? So I uh, I'm actually. I totally forgot about this guy until just now, and I'm and I don't know. I think he, I might even say that I put him at nine uh, if I didn't rem- forget about him until now. And it's because he's, who knows when we're going to see him play this year. But I'm putting Kyler Murray at ten. Oh my god, I forgot about Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's what I said. I totally forgot about him until I, his name just popped into my head because we're not going to see him play for a while. But I think he, right. I think he's, I think he's got to be in the top ten. I totally forgot about Kyler Murray. That would just hurt my brain. <laughs> yeah, on physical ability, you probably put him ahead of Dak. Yeah. Um, and we've we've never seen him with good play calling either, or even no. really great skill players. Anything? <laughs> no offensive line. No. Yeah, nothing. Um, crap. I don't like Kyler's shown flashes of a win because of guy. Absolute, like, like he, yeah, he, he runs around. Physical talent for sure to be, yeah. be that. Yeah, sure, he runs he's around way too much, um, and he does not play well when he's hurt because he plays through a lot of injuries. Right, he does not play well when he's hurt, but like from weeks like one through six every year, he just looks like the absolute man, <laughs> and then gets hurt, and you're like, oh. It's Kyler again. <laughs> he had a 7.7% hero throw rate in 2021. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. He would have number one this year, right? Uh, probably. No. no, Allen would have been higher, but oh, well, he would have been number two. And only a 3.3 turnout. So, like, he's not taking crazy amounts of chances. Like, like he's being pretty good with, like, 
2021 was a good year for Kyler. Yes. He definitely, he's victim of bad rap syndrome because the Cardinals are just a mess of an organization. And yeah. what really stinks for Kyler is he's got a lame duck head coach right now. Like, they hired John Gannon basically just to get them through the next couple of years and then they'll retool the whole thing. And Feel everything bad. with off the field for him. I mean, oh, yeah. that was totally tainted everything as well with the whole contract what what was written in the contracts and everything like that gave him a bad rap too and then right as he was about to kind of hit his stride last year he got hurt who the i've He's, always wanted to ask this who the hell leaks that stuff uh it's gotta be it's gotta be another player or no, an well, an no, it's got to be. Why would they have access to it? It's got to no. be someone with access. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I take that back. And I don't know why his agent would do that, unless maybe his agent's like, hey, like, let's leak this and make it look like this organization's really screwing you over. Like, yeah. I don't know. Has to, has to be that. I doubt the team leaked it. No, yeah, they can't. Well, unless maybe they're saying, like... Let's make Kyler look like an idiot. Yeah. But then they're all... All their futures are so the or, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that whole thing's weird, but I don't. That was so like there. There was never a doubt in my mind that Kyler doesn't prepare like every other. Maybe you know, maybe not like a Brady or something. But he, I found it very hard to believe he doesn't prepare for every game that was coming up that week. Brady likely has obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. I, I, I don't think anyone really prepares like him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um. But I, I think there's a spectrum of QB preparation. I wouldn't be shocked if Kyler was somewhere in the middle, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, he's still he's still pretty young. So, like, yeah. he's still kind of getting it. And, I, you know, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury was this awesome modicum of success that he could model himself after either. So, like, if you're talking about guys in the building that were showing him the path since he's been a rookie – you know, I don't know if it's been there for him. So like, you know, that's also a big part of it is just, you know, he hasn't had that, you know, solid, like what feels like solid mentorship to kind of get him there. Christian Kirk led, looked like a top 15 wide receiver last year for the Jaguars and spent four years on the Cardinals with Kingsbury and yeah. never, never amounted to anything. Just running inside slot seam routes. It's all he just seam post, seam post. Cliff is still one of the most puzzling head coach hires of all time. The highest level he had coached was college, Texas Tech. He had a losing record by like a lot. Not even close to a winning record. And the, the two seasons people hung their hat on, he arguably had the most talented quarterback to ever walk the face of the earth. It was Somehow the, the Cardinals couldn't figure that out and they hired him. It was the McFay effect. We saw it was uh, you hired yeah. this young mm-hmm like new generation head coach and and everything works out great for you when you do it like the quote unquote offensive mastermind yes look how he spreads the ball around look how he spreads his guys out yeah like a 600 yard game and or 700 yard game at texas tech one one time do you think we do you think we look back watch like maybe 10 years from now on this like young head coaching generation like wave that came in i know mcveigh won a super bowl but like many people do not think that it was like super well deserved or anything um shanahan's not won anything kingsbury is already out of the league lafleur hasn't done anything um staley 
went from, yeah, looks like super smart to possibly one of the biggest donkeys in the league <laughs> last year. Um, like I could eat like the, all of this young, and then you had like Doug Peterson get hired and win a super bowl. And he was like, not really thought of much. Um, Pete Carroll turns around Geno Smith's career. Like it, I think we could look back 10 years from now and be like, wow, we were so wrong on this like new wave coaching generation. Yeah. There's something about the game of football. It's it's inherently it's a physical sport that requires a lot of like I don't know I don't know the correct term, but like it requires like this alpha mentality. I think sometimes these young guys don't just they just don't have it. You know, McVeigh does. That might be why he won. Yeah, um, but like Dan Campbell is a young coach, but he's not remotely wired like a young coach. No, he's an old school throwback bite your ankles kind of guy um well it's that parcells mentality there yeah yeah you exactly. think? yep um but it's a lot of the coaches that do have success kind of have that more just like red ass approach like andy reed's you know probably the best modern coach yep. and even though he's he had like league changing concepts as far as offense goes he's still the way he coaches his guys is tough like he's a tough coach to play for um, he loves it. Like his players love him because he he has that great balance of of love and discipline. But like, you know, I I do think you're right. I think sometimes when we think the next big thing's coming, what's tried and true is sometimes better or usually better. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, so let's wrap this up. So Chris's ten was Kyler. Steve, who was your ten? I you made some good points about Kyler. I think I think I graded him too low but oh my gosh i hate this um i'm gonna i'm just gonna say i'm gonna say geno smith whoa i'm no. just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna say geno smith and we only have a, a similar situation with trevor lawrence uh you know we've only really got a year of tape and i think that you know it was up and down at times but yeah it was I, he he showed like he took a step that we never even imagined he would take. And if I'm looking at it of the guys that I have below him, I'm good. I would think I'd rather have that up and down game with Gino, but the ability to hit big time throws and his ability to fit it into windows that I didn't think we really knew he could do. And like to your point, Chris, about what you said with Dak Prescott, I think he's on, you know, he's not a guy that you're going to, necessarily win because of but i think he toes the line where if you put the right people and the right defense around him you he could be a a guy that you're not going to lose because of and so what balls are detrimental to the team (laughs) yeah they are and i'd but i'd rather lose that way than lose in a conservative than in a conservative way a guy who's not going to push it down the field and so i think it's just you know when we're getting down when you start to get into this area you, you gotta yeah you take what you can and i think with gino and his ability to push the ball down the field i think his ability to be mobile and work outside the pocket a little bit i think that you know it'll it's gonna be interesting to see what happens this year I'm, like i said we have multiple years of tape of him not doing it and we have one year of tape of him doing it. 
And so it's going to be really interesting this year. I think he's going to carry it over. I think, you know, he's got the offense got better. Their defense is getting better. I think that overall as a team, the Seahawks are taking a step forward. And I think this is going to be like Geno Smith is going it, – it, we're going to find out if it's a win because of or lose, and lose because of kind of year for him because I think the Seahawks are set up to kind of – you know, NFC is wide open and they have a chance to kind of take take control a little bit and be a top, you know, three, four team – and so I think like with that, it just, I don't love it, but it kind of felt like one where I saw the tape last year and I wasn't, I wasn't terribly turned off by it. Yeah. I'll say this about Gino. If you were to take every quarterback in the league's top 10 throws and show them to somebody who doesn't know who anybody in the NFL is and say, Hey, pick your best quarterback. They would pick Gino Smith. As, as the best quarterback in the league his top 10 throws from this year are utterly ridiculous like it's it's actually crazy some of the throws he made um that said i mean you already spoke on it so i won't repeat it but it's just a just a consistency thing it's a small sample consistency he makes enough bad plays that it's got me pausing but i did consider him here i mean when i said i i started you know i had like two or three guys for 10 and then, well, if I open it up for that guy, then I also have to consider this guy because – and it just – I kept trickulating down to like – there was like seven guys I considered for the 10 spot here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that 10 through 15, 16 yeah. is real close. Yep. And then after that, it's nothing. But Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, having forgot about – I probably would pick Kyler 10, but since I forgot about him, I'll just bring up my guy. And this this is this guy is basically Geno Smith, but he's done it for eleven years now, and that's Matthew Stafford. That's yeah. why I originally had it ten. Yeah, very similar players. We've kind of forgotten about him too, to be honest with you. Um, I forgot about him until I got to ten. Yeah. And what's funny is this is probably every year over year since Stafford's been in the league. If you told me to rank the quarterbacks, Stafford would be between eight and ten for me every single year of his career. But he had an MVP caliber season in twenty twenty one, won the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously played played his best football recently and then last year the whole rams team imploded so i'm not going to fault him for anything that happened last year that was like a collective effort of injuries plus um they've lost people in, in free agency etc cetera, etc cetera. so um i do wonder if maybe he comes back with a with a bang this year uh, cooper cup is healthy sounds like matt is pretty healthy um that back's been an issue for like six years now but um if he can mitigate the pain there a little bit i think I think he could bounce back with a, with a big season. So um, I do like Matt at the 10 spot. Other guys I considered here were Kirk Cousins, blah, which just shows you the state of the league that I considered Kirk Cousins as a top 10 quarterback. That's crazy. Yeah, I couldn't even let myself get him close to the top 10. Like just yeah. well, – All these guys have massive flaws in their game. It's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Stafford uh, was 11 for me, by the way. And yeah. same type of thing. He was like right there where I could have thrown him at 10. But yeah. it wasn't then, it wasn't great at the beginning of the year, and then he got hurt. Yeah. Well, and there's two more guys I, I would mention. One, and this is who my original ten was until I remembered Stafford, and that's Ryan Tannehill. Um, mm-hmm. I still to this day think Ryan Tannehill is the most underrated QB in the league. I've thought that for like three years now. It's not his fault. He has the worst offensive <laughs> line of football. It's not his fault that like my seven year old could make that team as a wide receiver. Um. 
it's it's really bad. Like Steve, you could go tra- you could go to training camp right now and have a shot to make the roster. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's bad the situation he has there. And yet, despite that, he's still right at the top of the league in accurate throw rate, catchable ball rate, top level accuracy, like insanely accurate quarterback. He's mobile. You know, he's not freaking Lamar Jackson, but he's mobile. He can, you know, move the the changes of his legs if he has to. But he's really good in that play action heavy scheme. Um, he can who's, make big time throws when he needs to. Who's the best receiver he played with in Miami? Uh, Landry, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, who had probably. an eight out of two point three when he was there. Yeah. So, I'm with you there. Tannehill is like he's the guy that I ever since Miami. I'm always like, if you can just like get, if, like I swear, if you just yeah. put him on the right team. He's he can do it. Yeah, and you saw him with AJ Brown, and that was still not having anyone else. They had AJ Brown, and then nobody. And that was like year one, two AJ Brown. Yeah, well, years one through three AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah, he had three years with AJ. But uh, like, I would just love to see Tannehill with like a a cohesive team, like someone that just embraces offense and gives him weapons and um. But man, I, I do think he's good. The other guy um, that I, I ended up deciding hard no on was Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that was another one that was hard. He was hard to place yeah. because, you know, everything prior to last year, like if you took out last year and that, like from what you see on film, he was a he was making his case to be, you know, easily in the top 10. But now, I mean, all I had, like the memory of what he did at the end of last season, he looked really bad. Yeah, he did. Well, so for me with Watson, it's like he didn't play in 2021. Yeah. Um, he was really bad last year. Like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Jacoby Brissett was significantly better than him. Yeah. And then you can go back to that 2020 season that everyone thinks was amazing. It really wasn't he like that team was so bad they were down by 20 to 30 points and dang near every single game and he put up just a, a lot of garbage time stats made some great throws in garbage time which is when it didn't matter and like i'm not going to give him the full credit for that season because i just don't think it, it's impressive to put up amazing plays when you're down by 30 so yeah did you, yeah i didn't even i didn't really even consider him i like it was it was just so bad last year. Like it's I, I can't put a guy like that near the top ten that was that bad. Yeah. The only other guys that we haven't mentioned that I considered was Derek Carr and Tua. I knew yo Tua, Tua was another one I considered too. Small sample injury right. issues, and then there was enough on tape before last year that just made me concerned. But yeah, lollipop for an arm. Derek Carr, I knew you'd bring him up, Chris, because I think you and I are probably collectively higher on Carr than just about anybody in the industry. <laughs> um, Carr just got boned so bad last year. What a just such a raw deal. Um, yeah, it's, it could it, be. It could be a big year for him. Could be. Could be. I mean, I I feel like it's been a broken record with every retread quarterback in New Orleans the last couple of years. Of like, could be a big year for Jameis. Yeah, it could be a big year for Derek Carr, where it's like, oh. no, he just needed to get out of the bad situation he was in, and then we're going to put him in the Saints, the, the stable organization. And it's going to be back. Yep. Andy Dalton was quietly amazing last oh, year, though. He was. So, so maybe this is the year that Carr really does break out. He's got the weapons for it. If Michael Thomas, 
appears on the field for more than 38 seconds, that'd be awesome. I think that could help. And then Olave is coming into his own. The, yep. But the more the more people they can get around to stop to not have to target Taysom Hill as much as possible would be you know ideal for them. Kamara, if he can stay healthy, like they've got the weapons for it. He has a ch- like. He's a guy that whenever you watch him play, it looks like he should be a top ten quarterback. But then you look at the stats and you look at how the team does, and it's like, well, I can't. Like, ugh. Just get there, please. What do you guys think of Jared Gaff? He, I didn't consider him for a top ten, but this is. He was in the top fifteen for me. Um, but. If he I goes think this year, th- and 35 earn 30 touchdowns again, he's got to be top 10. Right? Uh, yeah. So this year is the big one, I think, because you've started to hear more about how he's kind of taking over the, like not taking over the offense. Ben Johnson is obviously coordinating and running everything, but like it feels like he made, he could potentially be a late developer. And I think he kind of understands who he is as a player and his ability to not turn over the ball is, is was impressive at the end of the year. It's just needing to see it for an entire year. Um, and in a situation where the pressure is fully on. Yeah, that's fair. Chris, any final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah. Goff's not really there for me. I just, I don't know if he can ever get close to the win because of, area again and i just think he's perennially going to be the 16th 15th best quarterback in the league which you know is not terrible it's just not it's not top 10 to me yeah um but now that's everything nice all right let's get out of here we did it position ranking series is over quarterbacks are done um announcements data tool data suite fantasy points data suite is coming out soon be on the lookout. There's an announcement coming July 13th, Chris. Right? That's what I've been told. That's what we've been yeah, told. Yeah, that's tentatively. July 13th. Let's let's get after it. Um, it's going to be exciting. Scott Fishbowl starts the 10th, I believe. And you can look at all these numbers that we just rambled off throughout this True. podcast. You can easily. You can even go way deeper than we did. Way deeper. Yeah. Andy Dalton will be at the top of almost every advanced yes. analytics statistic, though. So just be... Just, just, just saying that. Really. It's yeah. not a mistake, though. <laughs> um, yeah, Data Suite comes out. Scott Fishbowl starts the 10th, and so we wanted to give the Scott Fishbowl some time to breathe before we, we drop this announcement on the 13th. Um, I don't even know if I was supposed to say this. Maybe maybe this is going to have to get edited out, actually. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, sign up for it. It's only going to be 50 bucks for this year. Um, somehow, Scott earned this EO role despite robbing all of us. Um, but whatever. Here we are. Hostile takeover is what, is what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just started the session. And like, I'm only four episodes in, but Scott is definitely Kendall of that show. So if you don't know who Kendall is, then. Now, I don't know what happens on Kendall's arc, so maybe that's a bad comparison. But for the first four episodes, <laughs> Scott is definitely Kendall. Anyways, that's going to do it for us. I am Brett Whitefield. This is Stephen O'Rourke. This is Christopher Weck, and we are out. Now 
Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.